Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you I've been teaching on how to enjoy maximum blessings in the house of God. This subject is very important for me because I want to see every member of this church enjoying the best of blessings. The purpose of the church is to extend God's blessings to children of God. The church is a place where people come to be blessed. God never intended a church to be the place where people come to be destroyed. But I want to say that sometimes, instead of being blessed, you can easily get destroyed in church. Easily. Your life can easily get messed up. Your life can easily get very, very frustrated in church, even in the right church. It's not enough to be in a good church. You have to know how to position yourself to enjoy maximum blessings. You know, Jesus had a lot of close disciples, and he brought all of them together to be the first testimony of the blessing and the grace of God on his life. But even among the 12, not all of them became blessed people. One of them, called Judas Iscariot, had his own mind, and he's one of the people nobody wants to identify with. Nobody wants to name his child Iscariot, or even Judas, even though Judas is a nice name, but Judas Iscariot came and destroyed the name. You know, so you can be in church and not be blessed, but I believe that is my duty to teach you so that you can be in church, and not just be in church, but be also blessed. You know, Jesus established the fact that the house of God is a place where people must not abuse or misuse. Lack of understanding about the purpose of the church can lead to misuse or abuse. The number one key to enjoy maximum blessings in the house of God is to go to church for the right reasons. You must go to church for the right reasons. And the right reasons for going to church is what? To go and worship God and be discipled and be ministered to so that when your life begins to get transformed after these three steps, you can also get yourself involved in evangelism, in prayer and warfare for the church. And then you can fellowship. That means making new friends and relating with people. And then you can become an extension of God's love through charity, to helping the poor and needy. So there are reasons why we go to church. And you must go to church for the right reasons. And this is very important. In fact, if you get this first one wrong, everything else is going to be messed up. You have to get the first one. You must go to church for the right reasons. You don't go to church because you want to belong to a social club. Or you don't go to church because you want to be religious. You don't go to church because it's close to your house. No, you don't do that. Because we don't take our children to the closest school to our house. We take our children to the school that we know. They teach well. They pursue good discipline. The teachers are trustworthy and competent. We factor in a lot of things when we are looking for a school for our children. The same way you don't take your car to the closest mechanic to your house. The closest mechanic to your house can mess your car up and make it worse than the way it was before you sent it. So some of us, we drive very far. Yeah, the mechanic who deals with my cars is in Achimota. Uh, how do you call this place? Mile 7. 
you can be sure that once you sacrifice the distance, it is worth it. Those guys know what they are about, and they work well on cars, especially good cars like a Range Rover. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to send a Range Rover to a, car, a mechanic closest to your house. But you know your life is more valuable than a Range Rover. Your life is more, more, much more valuable than a Range Rover. That is why you have to understand that you don't go to church because it's close. You go to church because you believe that that place, there is competence that you need. The right knowledge and teaching, the right environment and atmosphere, the love and care is there. You are sure that your spiritual life can develop well when you go there. You are sure that your relationship with God will grow and mature. You become, you know, a stronger Christian spiritually and your life moves forward. This helps us to understand that not all churches are the same. Yeah, some churches, you know, there's always complain about a lot of bad things happening in churches. Yes, I agree that a lot of bad things are happening in some churches, but bad things don't happen in every church. But guess what? A lot of bad things happen in some hospitals too. There are some hospitals, people go and die. Instead of going to be cured, they go and die. But you and I still go to hospital. Why? It is our responsibility to look for the right hospital where we know we can be well taken care of. They have good doctors and we go. The fact that a relative of yours was badly treated in one hospital and he died doesn't mean you will not go to hospital again. Sometimes very, very bad things happen in the courts. You know, you, I mean, you have a, a good case, but they can tell you you are guilty because one judge decided to be uh, dishonest and unjust. But we still go to the courts to seek justice. The bad things happen in some churches does not mean you should not go to church. You have to look for the right church. Even in schools, we hear very many bad things happening in some schools. We hear teachers raping children. Recently, I, I heard of, you know, one case, I think, outside Accra, I think, Eastern region or so. And I said, wow, schools are becoming very scary, especially if you have daughters. If you're a parent, you have daughters. You become worried when you hear some of these things. What teachers are capable of doing to young girls. But we still send our children to school. We just want to be sure, well, I hope this school, there's no bad teacher like that. And we send. So you just have to look for the right church. And I believe this church is a good church. Go to the church for the right reasons. That's number one. Number two, pray for your church. Is that it? Pray for your church. Number three, pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Number four, number four is look for opportunities to serve in church. Look for opportunity to serve in church. In the book of uh, Exodus 36, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, And Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord has put wisdom and everyone whose heart was stirred to come to do the work. Now, I want to explain, you know, when Moses went to Mount Sinai to receive the commandment, the law from God, God also gave Moses a vision of the tabernacle that they must build. God told Moses, build me a tabernacle, a sanctuary. 
And this tabernacle, God gave Moses a vision of the picture of how it must look like. Apart from that, God gave Moses detailed instructions about the size, the measurements, the materials that must be used. Every detail God gave Moses. I don't know how Moses was able to write all that, but when you read the book of Exodus from chapter 20, all the way to Numbers, you see a lot of detailed instructions about the construction of the tabernacle. But Moses was only given the vision and the directives. He was not the one who built the tabernacle. God told Moses that there are people in the congregation of Israel who are gifted, who have the ability to build it. So you paint the picture to them, give them the directives, and they will do it. So the Bible said when Moses came, he called some people. Only two of the names were mentioned, Bezalel and Aholiab. The Bible said there were also gifted artisans in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. And then he said, everyone whose heart was stirred, in other words, in other words, Moses did not compel the people. It has to be voluntary, voluntary. The willingness to be a part of building what God desired. And so the Bible said that they came to Moses to help to build. And um, this model makes us understand that every time that God wants to build a church, he makes use of the human resources within the congregation to help the pastor to build the church. In this process of building, there are many, many services in the church. There are many, many needs. There will be a need for people to work in doing very many different things in the church. But the Bible said that there were people whose heart was stirred. That means they were prompted within their hearts that I need to do something in God's house. It is very important when you join a church and you stay in the church for some time. It is very important for you to look for the opportunity. You need to look for the opportunity. You need to find out what can I do to serve in the house of God. There is always a lot of blessings that we receive by serving in the house of God. Let's read verse 3. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. So they helped Moses to build. Now, the important thing you see here is that these people didn't come to build what they like. They came to help Moses to build what God had showed him. And that is the important um, order that we need to see, that church work is not about deciding that this is what I want to do. Church work is about making your human abilities available so that you can be guided as to what is the best thing to do in the house of God. These people could have decided to build anything they like. They could have told Moses, you know, Moses, this thing you are telling us to build, if we build it like that, it will not be good. Let's change the plan. But you see, God had spoken to Moses about how he wants his house to be built. Now, the important thing you see here is that they were not building houses for individual private persons. They were building a specific house for God. They are building the house for God. So if you want to build your own house, or you want to build your own company or industry, or you want to build your own private venture, you are at liberty to go about it the way you like. But when you are in church and you want to serve in the church, you must understand 
You don't have that liberty to do things the way you like. The moment you want to serve in church and do it the way you like, you're going to run in yourself into problems. And that is what I've seen, you know, in my experience as a pastor. I've seen many people who are zealous about serving, but at the end of the day, it is like it was even better if they had not served because going to serve rather has, has brought more problems to them spiritually than if they had not served because there has to be that understanding that you are serving with a specific purpose to help build God's house. And there's a specific pattern and a way that God wants the house built. Let's go to the book of Exodus 25. Exodus 25, verse 8. It said, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is the first time God was talking to Moses about the tabernacle. This is what God said to Moses. He said, and let them make for me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. Verse 9, according to what? All that I showed you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So God told Moses that, look, I showed you a specific design. I showed you, make sure the house is built exactly like what I showed you. So in church, God speaks to the man of God and people come to help accomplish what God has spoken to the man of God. If you want to serve in church, but you don't understand that the pastor of the church has a right to make specific decisions about how you serve, you are going to run yourself into problems. Because every good pastor is supposed to seek the mind of God about how specific decisions need to be made to ensure that the church is built according to God's specific pattern that enhances his blessing in the church. Now, I want to say that every work in God's house is very important. Let me say that again. Every work in God's house is very, very important. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 6. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For us, we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. He said, we have many members in one body. Agreed? Okay. So, one body has eyes, ears, mouth. What else? Hands, legs. Head, stomach, many, 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 many members, or let's say organs in one body. But all do not have the same function. But how many know all the different organs of the body are all equally important? Sometimes you don't know how important a particular part of your body is until that place is sick. Verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually, members of one another. This scripture has two meanings. It means everybody in the church is important. Everybody in the church is important. That's why I'm happy the way our ushers treat everybody in this church. And I'm happy the way our traffic control department, how they pack people. I'm saying this because I've had some very, very bad experiences in some churches. In fact, yesterday I was in a wedding. It's an ICGC church wedding. I was driving in. I didn't know what I have done. There was one guy standing there, 
and just making some very rude gestures. Like, like was, I don't even know what he was saying. Then he used his left hand, go there, go there. <laughs> so I went and packed. Then when I came, I told the, the ushers wanted to take me. I said, no, I want to talk to that guy. So when he came, he said, the black car that passed, I was driving it. What, what did I do wrong? I want to know why you were behaving so rudely. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I told him, I said, this is my first time coming to this church. I don't know where to park. I'm a stranger. You don't know who is in the car. Then he started apologizing. I said, you might have done this to other people who wouldn't come and call you by me. You know why I called you? I'm an ICGC pastor. And I can tell your pastor to remove you from this department. He behaved very rudely. And he apologized. And uh, I, I told him I forgive you. I told him, you don't behave like that again. Yeah. You don't know who you are dealing with. So, obviously, their pastor know me. So, once I got to the gate, they started calling my name as you come to the front. So, when we closed, he came to apologize to me again. And I said, don't forget what I tell you. Don't do what you did again. It was very bad. Everybody is important in church. But this scripture also means every work in God's house is equally what? Important. The people who sweep the chapel and clean the chairs, their work is very important. If not for them, this place would be looking very nasty. The people who sing, their work is very important. The people who direct traffic at a car park, their work is important. Every work is important. Every work. The people who fix the sound for us, ushers, their work is very important. Even my timer, his work is important. Yeah. The intercessory department, their work is important. They help to pray, you know. Every department, children's service, teachers, their work is very important. Because as you are here now, you don't know how your children are troubling them. Every work is important. So look for something that you can do. At least you can join the intercessory department every Saturday. Come here and pray for the church. Come and pray for the church. They are doing something for the church. You can, I mean, do something. If you are health uh, professional, we have a health and medical department. The band. <laughs> the band are signaling me. I didn't mention them. The band is important. The choir is important. Which department are they? I haven't mentioned. Multimedia. Every department. Information department. Praise the Lord. I can't remember every department. But I'm just trying to say there is so much work to do in the house of God. And when you decide to work in God's house, you must decide that you are doing it to the Lord. You are not doing it to people. People may hurt you. People may offend you. But you must understand, first of all, you are doing it for God. And that must be your focus. And then you must refuse to be influenced by anybody to stop serving in God's house. You must mature beyond sentiments to decide that for the rest of my life, I want to serve in God's house. You look for opportunity to serve. If in the process of serving, you are called to be a leader, that's a plus. But the purpose for coming to church is not so that you can become a leader. If you have that attitude, you are not supposed to serve in the first place. If they don't make you a leader, then you won't serve. You are already a problem. You are already a problem. You are already a problem. You must look for opportunity to serve. To take up leadership responsibility is just a plus. It's just um, uh, additional work. Additional work, additional responsibility. But if you never got a chance to be a leader, serving God is still so important. God will bless you for it. Yeah, God will bless you for it. 
So, so we be many a one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Let's go to verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So the Bible said that we all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We all have different gifts. We all cannot do everything. We all cannot play the instruments. We all cannot sing. Some people can sing better than others. Some people cannot sing at all. But it doesn't mean you cannot do anything. Some people can pray. Yeah, some people are gifted artisans. And so they can do something. We have different gifts. What can you do? What can you do? What are you, what do you feel prompted and you have the desire to do? Having them give different according to the grace that is given to us, let us what? Use them. Let us use the gifts. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to that which is good. In other words, the Bible is saying that in all that you do in servicing the house of God, the motive should be what? Love. Love. And the Bible said, let love be without hypocrisy. Because sometimes people serve in church and the motive is not love, it is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And when we say hypocrisy, it means that they are serving and looking for opportunity to, to get sensitive positions that they can use to execute their own personal agenda. Some people go to church, they have a personal agenda. And if you're a pastor, you must be very matured and discerning. You must be discerning. To, fa- to differentiate between those that are serving God with passion and zeal and those that are serving with their own agenda in mind. And there are certain churches you go, the whole church has been hijacked by somebody, hijacked, and they are driving it in a certain direction to satisfy their personal selfish interests. Pastoring is a very difficult job, I'm telling you. You are supposed to be dealing with children of God that are very good and innocent, but you can have all manner of people in church crooks in church. You can have cynical people in church, treacherous people in church. You can have people who just go to church and the pastor is their target. So if you're a pastor, you must be very discerning. Before you say, oh, this sister is very zealous for God, very prayerful, very spiritual. Every week she's seeing visions. Make sure you are discerning before you realize the church is now being ruled by one young girl operating behind the pastor remotely, and directing affairs according to her heart desire. So, every work in the church is important. Don't say I'm too big for that work. No, you know, one of the things that I feel excited about anytime I go to Calvary Temple is that you see a lot of prominent people at the car park. Now, I don't know whether he's still there, but the former director of Ghana Law School, he used to be a car park attendant in Calvary Temple. You know the new, uh, how do you call it? Special prosecutor is from Calvary Temple. He's an usher. The new special prosecutor now is an usher in Calvary Temple. It's nice. It's nice. Why you feel too big to do little, little things for God? I think you are proud. You are just proud. You are so proud. You can't do anything for God. You are so proud. But I believe that I'm going to see more of you doing a lot for God. It's, it's a blessing to serve. Look for something to do. Yeah, look for something to do. All right. Now, let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 41. Let me put in a, some little caution. 
before we leave this one. Luke 10, 38 to 41. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a little sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good path, which will not be taken away from her. Amen. You know, this scripture is telling us that serving in the house of God is very, very important. But don't let it take the place of your priority. Serving in God's house is very important, but make sure your priority is right. The Bible said that Jesus came into the city of Bethany, and these two um, sisters, they host Jesus every time. Their brother is Lazarus, the one who died, and Jesus raised him up. But when Jesus came to the house, something happened. One person was busy cooking and trying to make sure Jesus had good food to eat. Another person came to sit down, asking Jesus questions and trying to learn a lot from Jesus and receive ministry from Jesus. Martha thought what the sister was doing was bad and that when there is a guest in the house, we have to put our efforts together and make sure he is comfortable. And so Martha came to tell Jesus, Jesus, correct my sister. She's doing the wrong thing. And Jesus said, no, it's not your sister who needs to be corrected. It's you who needs to be corrected. Now, what was Jesus saying? Jesus, Jesus was not saying cooking for me and making me comfortable is not important. That's not what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus was saying that cooking for me and making me important is important. Okay? Making me comfortable is very important. But there's something more important than you making me comfortable. And that is, you should know who I am. There are people who want to even touch him as he walks about. They don't have the chance. Now I'm in your house. With all the anointing and all the power and the grace, you should also be mindful of the fact that I did not just come to eat and to be made comfortable. There may be needs in your life that I need to meet for you. There may be things I need to teach you. There are things that I could do for you that nobody else could do. So the point is, Martha, why do you want me to just come here, eat, be comfortable, and live without being a blessing to your life? And sometimes that is what many, many Christians naively do. Some people are so happy they are working hard in the church, but they neglect the priority. Your working in church must not replace the reason why you came to church. The reason why you came to church first is to be discipled and be ministered to so that your life can become a blessing. Your relationship with God should develop. Your spiritual life must grow. If you are hardworking in church, but your spiritual life is totally bankrupt. You see, you are going to achieve nothing. You will not be close to God based on how hard you work in church. Your closeness to God has to do with how you develop your relationship with him first. And this is even to us pastors. There are many pastors who don't have time with God. They have a lot of time to attend to church members, to pray for members, to roam about visiting members, which is not bad. But if you are a pastor, you can easily wander away from God and not even know it. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, take heed to yourself and to the ministry. Yourself first and to the ministry. 
you have to know how to develop a personal relationship with God and develop and nurture that relationship properly in, in God's house. So that is very important. If the, your work in the church begins to take you away from your priority, then you are living dangerously. It's going to affect you very bad. So no matter what you do in church, your relationship with God comes first. And if your priority is set right, then you are ready to work for God well and be blessed. Because working in God's house is so delicate that sometimes if you don't have a close relationship with God, certain things will make you become so unnecessarily offended. Certain things will make you so unnecessarily demotivated. Because the only motivation you have is working in the church. And sometimes I see people so busy with work. When we say, let's pray, you see that they are not praying. See, and I'm asking myself, you know that with all that you are doing, you still need to talk to God about your need. Yeah. yeah. Even when myself, when I'm leading prayer, when I raise the topic, sometimes I put up the microphone to pray for myself. So when you become, I was, I was preaching in a church last week, Wednesday and Thursday, and uh, I noticed something on Wednesday. I didn't say anything. Thursday, it happened again. And you know what? I said something. There are things that well, you can't just see. You know, the band and the singers, as soon as... I took the microphone to start preaching. They just disappeared. So you see that that church, they just come to play and go. The word is not important to them. Everything I came to do is not important. I saw Wednesday, I didn't say anything. Thursday, I, I took the microphone. I saw that they disappeared. So I said, I asked the pastor, so are these people your members? That they are members. Uh, let somebody call them for me, wherever they are. Apparently, some are outside, you know, just talking and all that stuff. You know what? I drove all the way, two hours drive to come and preach in your church. You never know this could be your opportunity of a lifetime. I told them everything you did without my ministering to you is useless. So I asked all of them, sit down. I said, sit at the front row. I want to be seeing you. I told them, don't do that again, especially if I'm coming to this church. You sit when I'm preaching. It's like close. Yeah, but sometimes this is what Christians do. Playing the instrument must not be more important to you than your relationship with God. Singing in church must not be more important to you than your relationship with God. If I tell all of you that next week I don't want you to sing again, you should still come to church. If you won't come again, then in the first place, I don't know why you were singing. Yeah, I don't know why you were singing. Yeah, I should be able to, to make a decision that from now on, things should be done this way. And you need to have understanding, especially when I'm not abusing my office to just make erratic decisions. Everybody likes a good thing, isn't it? And, and I want you to announce to the church, I like good things too. So there's nothing good any department is doing that I'll just stand up and destroy it. No, no. But sometimes some decisions are very important and strategic to the progress of the church. Let me give you an example. You know, when, we're, when church was reopening, I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot about how we should go about things, how we should run church, how we should survive the COVID situation. So I made a decision. I said, the choir will not sing now. I need a soloist. So I spoke to Brad Frank. I said, you do a solo. And I said, praise and worship. We have only three backers. The choir should be on hold. Because for choir to sing, you need to come for rehearsals, remove your mask, sing. And you know, those were times when the COVID was very severe. One person has it, everybody's going to get it. So I made that decision because I want to protect choristers. The day we had a leaders meeting, I informed every leader what is going to happen in departments. And I was expecting the choir leader and the music director to inform the choir. Now, do you know that so far we had, we've had like 12 
I think, I, I hope I'm counting well. Since we reopened church, we had 12 members that have tested positive and have re all recovered. Let's clap for Jesus. But I also, I also want to say that the most severe case we had was the core leader. The most severe of all. Some, some people tested positive. They were not sick. They were just quarantined, self-quarantined their homes for two weeks. They come back. But Brother Frank and the wife and the children were all positive, And it was bad. So bad. One day, I had to go myself with Dr. Beko. We had to go. Because Dr. Beck, who said he was going, I said, ah, if he's going and he's a doctor and he can protect himself, then I must also go. But the truth is, even if I didn't go, I'm worried in the house all the same. But God's grace, they recovered. <laughs> Test don't know is that my decision probably is the reason why you are still alive. Because in other church, the head of music department died. And it's not as if I'm more anointed than other pastor, am I? It's just the mercy of God that saved me from that stress that Frank did not die. No, let's not laugh. He could have died, okay? Yeah, but the other thing that you people need to know is that when that young man died, all the singers had to be tested and quarantined. You understand? Because pastor allowed the choir to be singing. I didn't. And some people were saying that, other churches, choirists were singing. But you don't know the challenge and the stress they went through. At that time, when this thing happened, COVID test was about 400 cities. I, I'm saying this because I did one myself. You know, when Frank tested positive, and that week, me and him, the way we were interacting, I said, <laughs> In fact, he was, he was telling me, Pastor, you need to go and do tests. Because that week, I wasn't feeling very well. I had some slight, slight headache. Frank said, Pastor, you have to go and do the test. <laughs> so the church had to pay 400 per person times all the quarries tests. Twice in two weeks. Apart from that, medications, medications. And then they had to self-isolate for two weeks. That is what one church had to go through for not doing what we did. Unfortunately, some quarries tests have issues with my decision, rather, which is very funny. I mean, I just can't understand why church members can be so, I don't know. But you know what? I'm very happy I made that decision because I don't know how many choristers could have died by now. So make sure that your priority for serving is right. Your priority for serving is right. And when you do that, you will enjoy great, great, great blessings from God. Yeah, you never know. One day you look back and say, oh, thank God. You know, one, you know one time I made a decision in this church and after a year, the departmental head came and said, you made the right decision. By the time I made a decision, the, the departmental leader was very annoyed. I will not mention which department. The departmental leader was not happy with me. But you see, from where I... You see, even right now, you see, I can see things you can't see here. Do you know? Most of you cannot see what is behind you, but I can see it. Yeah. And that is how a church work is. Okay? Yeah. There are decisions I make concerning church work that you cannot understand now, but you understand later. So I want to encourage everyone who, is, who has been in the church. You've gone through membership classes. You've been in this church two years, three years. You're not doing anything. There are many, 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 many departments you can serve. And serving in God's house is important. Every work is important. Every work is important. And when you do it, God recognizes your effort. Let's close with that scripture. Let's close with that scripture. Hebrews 
chapter 6, verse 10. This one is for those who are already church workers. Yeah. When you join, then you become a beneficiary. He said, for God is not unjust to forget your work. Whatever you do in the church, God is not unjust to forget it. Yeah. The sacrifice you made, the efforts you made, you make. And sometimes church work will require that you make sacrifices. You make you sacrifice your time. Don't say, I pastor, I don't have time. No, nobody has time. Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your efforts. Sacrifice yourself. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not unrighteous to forget. You know, there are people, I've, I've seen people experience some unusual favors in this church, and I can trace it to their faithful services in the house of God. What they do in church. I just see that they serve God and serve God and serve God and favors come. Doors open. Blessings come. And I can differentiate between those who are doing it with a good heart and those who are doing it with a lot of complaints and grudge and, you know, bad attitudes. But you see, the Bible says work and labor of love. So when you do the work with a bad attitude, you see, it, God sees it, but it does not touch his heart, like when you do it out of love, out of love, out of joy, out of joy, out of love. I'm doing this for God. Nobody may praise you. Nobody may thank you. You're not doing the thing for me. You are doing it for God. Do it well. Do it faithfully. My principle about church work is that if it's for God, it must be the best. Give it the best. Do it the best. Do it the best way. All right. God bless you. Let's, let's, let's end it here today. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.